The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. everybody welcome to another episode of the brutally speaking podcast i am your host john and this episode's guests are heidi and henry of the butcher babies this is a really fun chat kind of goes all over the place and really enjoyed it uh henry being on kind of threw me for a loop because he wasn't scheduled to be on he was kind of a last minute addition uh but i really enjoyed having him on and you know, it was really cool getting to talk to these two and getting to finally have someone from the butcher babies on um i was reminded of a I actually had seen a post I made on Facebook a while ago, many, 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 many years ago, actually, uh, recently. And it basically was when the Butcher Babies had kind of first come out and I had made a post because I was seeing their name blowing up everywhere and didn't know much about them. So kind of was doing my homework and remember being like, oh, it's really cool that like I feel like a lot of people are missing the point. Like, yeah, they're dressing provocatively or, you know, have tape over their nipples or whatever. But like I was like, it's really cool because it kind of is this like punk rock aesthetic of sort of like the plasmatics or like Wendy O and like just some really cool stuff. But like what they were doing musically back then, like wasn't really being done. And it was just really refreshing to kind of see that like these two women in this band were just kind of like forging ahead and, and kind of taking no prisoners and just doing shit. Cause they, they loved it and wanted to have fun. And I feel like that's something we're starting to see in metal slowly is people wanting to have fun you're seeing smiles on people's faces and and you're seeing people have fun and, and doing shit because they want to do it not because like it's what's expected and to me like i feel like that's been the vibe the butcher babies have had the whole time and they've definitely endured their ups and downs as far as you know the fan like i don't want to say their fans but i will say the metal fans kind of giving them a lot of shit and honestly i saw a tweet the other day and i i don't remember who said it it might have been michael from uh volumes uh, or somebody else, but it was basically, it said, I love that metal is basically being dominated by women. Like all the best bands have women like fronting them or in them or whatever. And I was just like, yo, that's such a fucking cool thing to say. And honestly, he's right. Like women have kind of always been in metal, but they've always kind of been at the, the background. And now it's great to see bands like spirit box and, and stuff like that. And butcher babies and all these bands that have kind of come to the forefront over the last, I'll say, I mean, me me personally, I want to say like at least in the last 10 years, but I mean, for, for more of the mainstream, I would probably say in the, the, the last like five to seven years. Um, but, you know, kind of switching gears for a minute and kind of talking about something different, you know, uh, the last couple last month, really, or so I've not done anything with the podcast. Like most everything you've heard, I had already done uh, a few months before I had put any of these out. 
And the industry kind of shuts down around Thanksgiving until the new year. Uh, no one's really touring. No one's really doing anything. has a reason to promote. So it was one of those where I took the opportunity to kind of take the time off from doing the podcast and just kind of live my life. And I think I might do it more moving forward. Uh, having the time off was really nice. Uh, getting to kind of re-put the spotlight on old episodes that I really enjoyed throughout the year I think was really fun and seems to have done really well. Uh, the episodes I put out with Jeffa and Michael from Volumes did really well uh, on the second time as well. Uh, so it kind of maybe showcases that maybe sometimes when you're doing a weekly thing or a twice a week thing, some, some episodes fall through the cracks and you're just not able to keep up with everything. So to kind of give that, that extra love to something, uh, was really eye opening to me to try to do something and to see it do well. Um, but adversely, it was just kind of nice to, to not have to feel like I was pressured into, okay, I got to get another episode out this week. I got to do something else and I got to keep the train rolling and momentum and all this kind of stuff. It was really nice to just kind of take some time off. So I think moving forward, I'm going to do that kind of just honestly for the betterment of me. Like I, I, I don't know if anyone knows like the grind of having a side hustle that like is almost a full-time job in and of itself, but it's been really nice. And I think I'm going to kind of take a, take a note from the industry and kind of do you know, kind of a shutdown and just kind of recharge and regroup and come into the new year ready to go. And I definitely think that that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I've made goals for this year. Uh, I have a lot of things that I'm working on behind the scenes, a lot of things that have been kind of being worked on toward the end of last year. And this is a, this is one of those things where, you know, I'm going to kind of get really honest for a minute. And, and I know this intro is going to be longer and a lot of you are probably just going to skip it and go right to the interview. And that's fine. Um, but, you know, something I've been saying and been trying to do more is be more honest in these intros, outros. And, you know, there's been a handful of people that have reached out and really said that, like, my show, in addition to a handful of others, have really helped them in tough times. So to kind of be really real about some shit here, um, I've been really burned out <laughs> doing this show for a little while. Like, you know, it's been a thing where there's been a lot of lot of things happening. And it's like, I think the show is really good. I think the conversations I have are really good with people. And I, at the very least, I get something out of it. And it's become one of those things where over this last month or so of not doing anything with the podcast, it's become really hard to, to just kind of go on because I feel like a part of me is missing. Like those connections I have with people, the, the being able to talk through my own ideas and my own thoughts with, you know, essentially strangers to a degree, has really been beneficial to me. It's almost like a cheap form of therapy. And to not have that, I realized like how much of a piece of me has, has been missing the last month. And I didn't really know what I wanted to say in the intro to this, if I kind of wanted to open up a bit more in the intros and, and kind of be more transparent, like some of my favorite podcasters who, you know, kind of use this as a way to talk through whatever they're going through at the time. I think one of the biggest things that's been hard for me has been seeing the decline in actual downloads of the show. I mean, at the height of where the show was a few years ago, we were pulling in, or I was, I should say, pulling in like 12,000 downloads a month. And right around the beginning of the pandemic, basically, like probably a couple months before that, I noticed the numbers just dropping real hard. And I didn't know why. Because the guests that were getting were consistently better, quote unquote, you know, they weren't a lot of bands you weren't, didn't know of, had like were basically baby bands and so forth. And I feel like the conversations I'm having with said people were better than the 20 minute junket interview where I'm like, so tell me about this new record or tell me about this lyric. I feel like we're having real connections and deeper conversations, which is what I would imagine whoever is listening to this wants to hear. 
but I would get no feedback. I would literally get no feedback. I'd have, you know, decent five-star reviews on whatever platform. I was charting on podcast charts and stuff, and the the numbers declining didn't make any sense, and, and it's hard not to take it personally because when you're used to seeing this thing build and then all of a sudden it just dro- like just plummets, it's like, okay, it has to be me because I'm the only constant. And the hard part was is figuring out what it is, uh, and, I, and I don't know what it is. But I have learned, and I know I've said it on the podcast a handful of times toward the end of last year, that it was a thing where I realized to kind of use a therapy thing and just kind of step back. And I could be angry that I, I wasn't pulling in the downloads that I was and they weren't progressing and becoming better. Or I could step back and go, when I started, all I wanted was blank amount of people. If I would have had that amount of people, I would have been so stoked. I would have been so stoked. And to get the people I'm consistently getting to talk to, I would have been so stoked when it was so hard to get anybody initially. And it became this thing where instead of looking at something negatively and being depressed and upset, I decided to kind of go back to being where like thinking like the person when I started this six years ago, where it's like, look at all these things you're doing and look at all that you have to be thankful and happy for. Let's be excited about that. And so I've tried to turn my perspective from being upset and like, begrudgingly sometimes doing this thing because, oh, I have to do it and I have to do this thing to kind of falling in love with something again, to falling in love with the process. And over the month of not doing this, you know, like I said, I've been making goals. I've been working on a lot of stuff behind the scenes that hopefully will pan out. And if it doesn't, then it's just not the right time for those things to come to fruition. But I'm not going to be upset about this anymore. I'm not going to let it be a bummer. I'm going to be excited about this thing because I am excited about it. It does fulfill a part of me that I, I, I need to do. And so in 2023, if you're listening to this and you haven't fast forwarded, thank you for listening, first and foremost. Secondly, thank you for listening this far when I'm sure you want to just hear the, the chat I had with the guest I have on. But it's more than that. This is, this is something that I think I've come to learn is it's important. And I think it's a valuable thing. And I, and I hope that if you as the listener have something that you are excited about as well, I, I hope that you find something you're passionate about and you're able to do something in it and be successful because I've been able to do that for six years with this show. It's been a grind, but it's been a success by all accounts. Every, just even making the thing is a success because a lot of people won't get take the initiative to get that far. So this year, I'm going to use these intro and outros to kind of talk more about things that I'm doing and hopefully inspire you to want to do something in a creative aspect, whatever it is, even if it's just literally getting up and starting something, going to the gym. If you don't go every day, that's fine, but at least you went today and maybe you'll go in a couple of days. Like whatever it is that's bettering you, do it. Fucking do it. I promise you when you get wherever your journey will take you with that thing, you will be so fucking glad you did and you'll be so happy. So if I can be a modicum of the inspiration that all the other podcasters and, and entertainers and all those kind of things that inspire me to do stuff has done for me, I hope I can do it for you. So with all that said, let's get into my conversation with Heidi and Henry. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. Kind of funny that 
the bootleg merch game is like so popular and like a couple of my friends got into the vintage selling t-shirt selling business once the music touring business went away for a couple right. years yeah. and it's been so wild to see shirts that like i'm sure so many so many of us had back in the day from old tour t-shirts or whatever and you're just like how the fuck is that going for like two thousand dollars on an instagram live auction like it is insane yeah. and it's you now see you see it in uh, forever 21 or h&m now and there's yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> well then it makes me wonder too because like going to shows and stuff like uh actually my podcast sponsor and I are going to try to link up in Belvedere in Illinois outside yeah. of Chicago to go see cannibal corpse and dark funeral. I believe well, it's like weather, a, weather permitting for me. Um, but it was funny cause like going to see how many like cannibal corpse shirts that aren't even that old are still going for a shitload of money and uh, like cradle of filth. It's almost like anything from even 10 years ago can still fetch you a couple hundred dollars. And it's like, it makes you now when you go see a show, you're like, should I just buy something and sit on it at this point? Could it could it yeah. be an investment for down the road for like a forty dollars? I could flip it down the road. Yeah, and absolutely. You definitely now it makes me a hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even for us outside of venues, sometimes we'll see the bootleg merch and like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. I might want one of those. <laughs> you think that they would just you know give us our own t shirts too, and that you know they won't? No, do that. they don't. <laughs> they will. They won't allow it. I was like, can that's I like this on on your shirt. That doesn't matter. <laughs> well, like, the thing that's interesting about it, as I found from working at a screen printing company that at the time used to do stuff for like Johnny Cupcakes and Diamond Supply Company, and and a lot of stuff you see at like the mall at like Tilly's and so forth. Yeah, is a lot of the stuff falls under like a little bit of a parody law, where it's like, yes, you know exactly who that is, who the people are, but because of a parody or some other things, or you know, they make such limited amounts, it's like they just kind of don't care and it's really weird to like see that because you're like this is clearly so and so or like you know even going to the donda event in chicago uh for kanye west like we i bought a couple of bootlegs because i was like man i bet i could flip a couple of these yeah and yeah. right after the event like because i couldn't find the official merch because i guess they only had a limited amount and it was somewhere in uh where the bear stadium is and just fucking wild to be like, I bought a shirt for $20 outside the event and I was able to sell it for like 400, like a day after the event. Oh like, man. Oh, wow. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> that's Have you cool. ever, I mean, you were just saying that like you've seen shirts that are really cool outside of your own shows. Have you been able to figure out in some instances who's making them to maybe have them design stuff for you legitimately? Uh, well, well, no, besides, <laughs> besides in Mexico, it's the cartel. It's the cartel. So, so I don't know if fair enough. <laughs> it's not bad. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Um, there was at one time in, I think it was Cleveland. We got <clears throat> a Marilyn Manson butcher baby shirt when we were on tour with them oh, yeah. and they were actually cool enough. They gave it to us for free, but um, don't know who, who designed it, but uh, we were in London just recently and walked outside and there were bootleg shirts and, they looked bootleg. Yeah, usually, usually <laughs> sometimes the, they're not that good. <laughs> usually, the quality is not up to par. Yeah, they're not. They're not really going for high end, um, you know, t-shirt material and and print design. It's it's it wild to to see how all that is. Like, I mean, even seeing cover bands now, I feel like they've gotten into selling merch around. Like, there's a whole business about not being in the band or official band related, but you're, you're able to somehow start a whole business off of somebody else's work. It's kind of incredible. Yep, to see we see the a day lot and age that. that we live in with that. We see a lot of it online, a lot of, um, a lot of shirts and they'll, they'll Photoshop 
me holding up a shirt, which <laughs> I had nothing to do with, <laughs> and they'll sell it online. I, we see a lot of that. And you know what? Whatever. It is. It's their hustle. It's not stealing. <laughs> no. We can't stop well, I guess, it. At this point. Well, I guess that kind of gets into the interesting part of, you know, you all just released uh, a cover of, uh, and I might be mispronouncing it because it's an artist I'm aware of, but never heard the name actually said out loud. Is it so weedy or is it just sweetie? I think it's just sweetie. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of well, see, this is the, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, this is where, like, growing up in the East Coast originally and living in the Midwest, it's really fucked me up because I'm like, where do I enunciate the vowel? Like, because yeah. we do it differently on either, like, from there to here. But it was one of those things, like, sometimes I feel like there's a lot of there could be a lot of legal loopholes to, to putting out a cover and all that kind of stuff in this day and age. Cause everyone just wants pub royalties and so forth. And, but it's one of those that sometimes like in the sense of like, I prevail, they're one of the few bands I can really think of that came out with a song that was current because it's hard to know when a song's going to pop. And yeah. they did one with Taylor Swift, but it was at such the time where on all the DSPs, she took all of her music off. So the only way you could hear that song was because of them at the time mm -hmm. and it's interesting okay. to just kind of think of what a cover can do for a lot of people and you know a lot of the industry seems to kind of poo poo on it at times it seems really like, oh it's just a cheap gimmick but it's like i think it's actually a lot harder than people think to to come up with a good cover that's still uniquely yourself but still sounds original to the, to just, the original this one was actually really challenging when we, when we did it too yeah. we started we started in the studio kind of mimicking the actual song itself and just like doing a heavy version of what the original was and it really just was like uh, this is just not it wasn't hitting it wasn't hitting it wasn't it didn't have energy i'm like okay this is this is not working so so what we did was i, I was like heidi why don't you just go in the in the vocal booth and just perform this how you would want to with the aggression and everything i just want to hear it and when she started doing that instantly like mm -hmm. like a riff came to mind. And as soon as that happened, it was just a snowball effect. Yeah. We really were able to write the whole thing uh, like musically, because if you, if you go like lyric for lyric and in, in the actual vocal melody of the song, it's just sped up a little bit, but it's exactly like the original. So yeah. we just took that stripped it and, and just kind of applied our own riffs and and the song was pretty much written in like five seconds. I think for us, you know, five deciding seconds, deciding to do <laughs> a cover of that song just kind of made sense because when the song initially came out, Carla and I were like, oh my gosh, this song was written about us. Like we've been best friends for so long. And we thought we were kind of the only ones in the metal community that could really do it justice because we really are like, you know, two best friends that started this band almost 15 years ago and it made sense for us to do it um it was really fun to create so we did do uh in 2014 i believe we did a covers ep so we did a song called they're coming to take me away which a lot of people actually think is an original and um we were on tour and a certain artist um we asked them to join us on stage for you know to do this song with us and they were like, oh my gosh, this song is so cool. How'd you guys come up with these lyrics? <laughs> is, it, like, well, is it the one, sorry to cut you off. Is it the one that they're coming to take me away? Ha ha, ho ho, he he, uh -huh. that one? Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I've, I've heard, I remember my mom singing that song to me when I was a kid, mm -hmm. but up until very recently, I didn't know it was a real song. Yeah. yeah. It's not really it's a not real a song. song. It's, yeah, it's, more, yeah. it's like a rap with a, with a snare drum. Like, like all, yeah, that's yeah. all it was. It's just... 
you thought it just kind of matches the melody. No, you love love. it. It was just kind of like weird. And so what we had to do in order to cover it, we had to write music. We had to give it um, a viable chorus. That song doesn't sound anything like the original. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of why a lot of people think that it's It's an original. original. The, uh, you know, doing a rap song, we've been wanting to do something on the rap and for a long time, I was always a big fan of, I don't know if you remember the judgment night soundtrack from way hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I listened to that re- like religiously. I thought that was the coolest, coolest thing because it, you know, it took like the public enemy thing and then, yeah. and then Onyx. you have all these other bands doing these collaborations. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, man, it would be really, really fun to take a modern song and kind of have that approach. Um, and that's kind of where we came up with this. And I'm, really excited actually i'd love to do it again you know what's really cool too we played so much in europe over this mm-hmm. uh we were over there in july and then we actually just got back um from a massive tour over there and we would play best friend and that song's not big over there people don't really know it that well so they all thought it was an original so <laughs> <laughs> you know fun for us I, I don't really think that um the industry shits on it as much as you think um it, it's interesting when bands can put their own spin on something like that i think it's it's um it's not easy a lot of people no. think oh just copying something but it's not easy it's especially not easy. when you're trying to you know maybe maintain the you know the integrity of the song but also make it yourself so that's it's it's a fun exciting thing to do it's funny i've had one and i'll give it away because i've tried my own way for decades at this point i've tried someone should be able to do this i'm just not capable of doing it myself but someone should be able to do rockstar by n-e-r-d or lap dance oh my god and make it a metal song that would be, that would be amazing honestly I, any song off that album I would be a fan of because that was such a great, great album. You know, I actually thought about this a long time ago. I think Pharrell would do so well in producing a metal album. I think he would kill 100%. it. Yeah. So that's that's something that we yeah like it, that that, would be a dream honestly, come true to after, do a metal album with after Pharrell. That, after that album came out, it was like, man, I would just love to do something even even on a heavier like a, a, the because he's clearly a fan of the music. Like I, yeah. I would think that he would be super interested in something like that. So if you, you know, if you have his uh, contact number, yeah, uh, no. no, unfortunately he, he, I just sit on red whenever I uh, DM. Him. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, you know, constantly. And this is kind of the other part I was going to go with, with doing a cover like you did of, of a current kind of pop, crossover rap pop song, you know, on this show, I get a lot of emails and, and DMS and stuff or comments on YouTube where people are like, I don't think you even like heavy music because all you do is you're wearing rap t-shirts. You talk about rap and stuff like that. And I'm like, I can only do and be in, you know, metal, you know, hardcore mode for so long. And then it's like, I need something else, man. Well, yeah, and a cleanser, if you will. We, we spend <laughs> yeah. more of our time listening to not metal than probably any other genre. Like we, we will listen to everything else. We'll listen to country and hip hop and everything. Right now um, the station in my car is set to the country station here in Las Vegas. Yeah. And it's just to us, I find a lot of inspiration and in, in other genres. And to be honest, rap is heavy. If you think about yes. get yes. low from uh Lil John, I believe 
Um, that song is super heavy. Um, Listen turn, to anything. Turn by down Onyx. for what? Listen to anything. Super by Onyx heavy. And yeah. um, oh man, there's just so many. The beats are groups. really, really heavy, and so I think the crossover just makes complete sense. Um, you know, and even with best friend, the bump, 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 just sped up. But with an electric guitar, I mean, that it just, it, it fits so well. And then you put those blast beats behind it too. It just, it made sense. And so I think that it's natural for a, a metalhead to also find pleasure in listening to rap. It's funny at the bar I was at the other day, <clears throat> I was texting uh, this, I don't know, band name may not be familiar, but uh, Shiel from uh, Bad Rabbits. Um He's their drummer. And I was texting him the other day and I was like, dude, so someone's playing the song One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men because we were on like a middle school dance theme for the jukebox at, at the bar. And I oh. go, I'm like, I bet the drummer who was doing this this song just had stank face the whole fucking thing. I go, you're probably the only one who understands why I think like I'm thinking like this because the drums are just dumb thick. T-H-I-C-C-C. And he just goes, <laughs> hell yeah, I feel that. <laughs> but it was just one of those things that like as I'm listening to it, I'm like, man like the production on these drums is just so interesting and like just even doing that like i've done it with a lot of hip-hop and r&b to where when you kind of hear some of these influences coming in like you know bass drops 808 hits and so forth like in metal yeah. it's like oh okay like that's coming from this other this other side and i like you just kind of said i don't think people realize how much the crossover between the genres really is but because yeah, you it, don't, I mean, you haven't expanded yeah. your own palette. You don't know those. Well, even like the trap beats, um, trap beats and metal are so huge right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they kind of always have been there. Um, but producers are high hat mixes. Yeah. Producers are really good at, at, at introducing those little elements and stuff like that. And I think producers have been wanting to do stuff like this for a long time. And now it's, it's much more acceptable. And the, the public is, really eats that eats that up and so you're seeing this giant crossover uh, culture happening uh you know across the board it's really really cool to be like there's there it's all kind of all the genres are kind of gray gray area now like it's just a mix of this and that and it's it's really fun it makes things way way more creative and i'll tell you this and i, I think you're the first person to that we've even told this to but we're releasing a song featuring a country artist and mm. so you know which we're very very excited about a, a country's country slash rock hip slash rock hip, like artist. it's 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 um jelly roll <laughs> he's kind yeah. of in that realm now <laughs> weirdly yeah. yeah and so it's 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 exciting to see these artists succeed in all these genres because yeah. i feel like as an artist we love all those genres. I find things that I love in almost everything and, mm. I, and almost every genre. And I think that that's important as an artist to have um, a palette that large. I, 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 I'm a lot of, I'm friends with a lot of uh, country artists and they're all closet metalheads. Yeah. We call them frustrated. They're, they're frustrated metalheads. All, <laughs> all of them. They're yeah. all closet metalheads and yeah. they, they wish they could play metal, and, but they, you know, they, they're doing the, the country thing, but. And they're all shred. They're all just, just unbelievable shredders. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, it's like when I was, my wife and I and a friend were in Nashville, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier this year, you know, like we were on Music Row or whatever that thing is called, like the strip in Vegas, yeah. but in Nashville. And we just went bar hopping and it was just incredible to see the amount of talent. And oh at one point, one of the drummers, 
and I talked to him after the fact or when he was done sound checking, but he started with a, and I can't remember the song title off the top of my head, but it's that refuse beat the ding, ding, ding. It's that little fill in like the little uh, ride hat like hit. And when he got done, it was like, no one's going to know that was refused, but fucking kudos. Can I buy you a shot? And he goes, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. never knows that that's the thing. And I go, uh, and I go, so who do you play for or where do you like record out of? And he was just like, is it that obvious? And I go, well, I mean, I think I've kind of figured out like there's such an abundance of talent down here. That, like you have to be doing it either in a studio or playing with somebody. And then there's just kind of the thing to make you some money or you do it for fun. But it's, it is one of those cities and those towns where it's just like the abundance of talent is just insane that it's like, even if you don't yeah, like the music, just watching like, how great these players are is just insane. And I feel like yeah. it's so lost on people who are there just to get fucked up. Cause you're just like, yeah, I mean, it's fun to have drink and have fun, but it's also like, I mean, look at this. This is so fucking amazing. Yeah. There's no other city. I can really compare that to where there's a, mm -mm. a, you'll you'll see a world-class musician like if you go to a karaoke bar there i went one time to a karaoke bar forget about it like everybody's <laughs> it's, just like, it. it's like it's like carrie <laughs> underwood it's like it's yeah. the level of talent in that city is is ridiculous i mean you don't see you don't even see that i mean you go to los angeles and los angeles is a bunch of wannabes and in nashville <laughs> actually is, is is just player after player yeah. after player yeah legit yeah. musicians <laughs> well i feel like vegas is kind of turning into that to a degree with everyone kind of moved that way i mean yeah. i know andrew from ghost inside just moved out here from or out there from here in michigan and yeah. he's been like i love it out here i can't deal with the snow anymore and i was like i, I get it but also you're seeing it more and more and more people showing up and it's like man i can't believe this place actually existed they didn't they never thought as Vegas is like a destination for, or, or you would actually live out here. It's always been the strip and you, you come here party and then on the weekend and then, and then, and then, then get out of town. And it, when we, I, I, same thing for us. Like we used to come out here when we would, we look out into the distance and like, what's out there? Is it just all like trailer homes? Well, and, like, I went to school, <laughs> I went to school about an hour and a half away from here. So I knew, but like, because I would always come out here during college, my college years. And one of my best friends lived here. So I spent a lot of time here, but growing up, here, I'm sure they're seeing a lot of like transplants coming in because us, we've got our friends in Gemini syndrome that live next door to us. We've got infected rain, five finger death punch periphery. There's so many different bands yeah. that have migrated here. And I, it's interesting to see, you know, we'll go to Fremont street on the weekends and they have cover bands play. And those, those artists are Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal and yeah. it's it's really incredible to see the musicianship um of the las vegas people here even so. the like the like the the shows and all the musicians that perform you know, right. in, in all the casinos it's a really yes. small community and you'll go to like these events and stuff and you'll see all those people and they're all friends and it's really cool because they're all world-class musicians well like nilly yeah like nilly brosh she you know she mm. Uh, performs with uh, Michael Jackson out here, but she also uh, performs with um, Death Clock and mm. um, uh, uh, what's it? Just played the uh, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah, so, okay. amazing yeah. musicians yeah. that are that are here local, and we're we've been here for two years, and so we're just kind of 
still meeting people and figuring out our place here, but it's, it's amazing. The musicianship here. Well, I feel like the interesting thing is it's funny. Cause like there are some people I talk to on this and I'm like, why do you still live, you know, home, like in, you know, kind of an air place or whatever, when there's more opportunity somewhere else for you. And there's kind of the, well, this is where I'm from. This is what I know. And this is my home and I get it. Yeah. But I'm also very much like, you know, we, like I said, we were just were in Atlanta and like, that's, that's probably like my number one spot. If like my wife and I move, like that's probably where we're going. And like, that it's got my heart every, every time I go, like, it was funny. Cause like even kind of speaking to just people, you meet places and how connected everything is like, we were there just to go for her birthday. And then a friend of mine who I'd met at the last, uh, every time I die Christmas show at a random like die bar was works for like the emo night and the gimme gimme disco things yeah and i was like oh it sucks that you're not here tonight like it's performing he goes i fucking am are are, like are you coming and i was like i guess (laughs) so we went (laughs) there (laughs) and then we ended up uh getting a pass and then i ended up talking to the lighting person and then she was like hey do you want to fuck around and do the lights and like i'll teach you real quick and i was like sure and then like that was just a blast and then like i ended up finding new people because of her like following that we both know and it's just like this whole scene in the world is so connected yeah. if you're willing to just venture out of your comfort zone a little bit and just kind of be open to new experiences and new new vibes and i feel yes. like you collectively that's what vegas is turning into i think it's kind of the the beginning of a new scene of of what we won't know yet but i feel like there's going to be a lot of collaborative things coming from all the people moving out that way. Yep. Absolutely. We, we see it because it's like a lot of it too is like, you know, every, we want everyone to move here, but we also don't want everyone to move here. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like I, bring I, all the musicians in and all the, all the talent, but everybody else, you know, you know, like, it's probably not a good place for you. You're really not going to like it at all. No, we, you know, it, it's, it's been cool. You know, uh, and you know, another good friend of ours that lives here is uh, Chad Gray of Mudvayne mm-hmm. and, and we became super close during the pandemic. It, it was really cool. They really closed it for during, us too. During the pandemic, we were, you know, all these musicians who are typically out on tour, you never really get to cross paths and, and um, make solid bonds. That yeah. happened a lot, especially like we're saying here in Las Vegas. And we spent almost every day at Chad's pool <laughs> with and, him and his, and his the, wife, Shannon. And remember, this was the home of Vinnie Paul, too. So Vinnie was yeah. out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Billy Gibbons is out here from yeah. ZZ Top. I mean, it is just, yeah, it is artist central out here. It's really cool. Yeah, we love it. Today's Beer Minute is brought to you by Starving Artist Brewery, who share a simple belief you should judge beer and not people. Today's beer is from Rochester Mills Beer Company out of Auburn Hills, Michigan. It's their peanut butter cup milkshake stout found in this year's 12 Days of Milkshake Stout series. Coming in at 5.5%, this sweet stout is always one of the first I drink from the holiday pack. Its smooth, chocolatey forward flavor melts away to give you that delicious peanut butter cup back-end flavor. Truly a signifier for me that the holidays and winter months are upon us. Thanks again to Starving Artist Brewing, who remind you to support your starving artists, and please, always drink responsibly. And now, back to the show. Yeah, we were actually debating on when to come back to Vegas because that's where we got married because um, we want to get out of the cold of Michigan and do it around yeah. like right before the new year. So we were thinking about going back here pretty soon. And yeah, Fremont Street's where I like going, but it's also because I like Evil Pie and I just oh, love cool. that. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> what a great <laughs> little like. Great. 
love it and just i don't know the vibe is way better over there than it is to me over on on the actual strip where i just i'm oh, like yeah, why are the children at four o'clock in the morning on the, <laughs> on the strip this yeah. is not like okay. when we in los angeles it's like do you ever go to hollywood boulevard you know it's like no we don't i mean well <laughs> yeah. you know it's it, fremont is like the local you know cool yeah. hangout spot and if you want to go to the strip you're going there specifically for some reason but you don't yeah. go to yeah. the strip hangout ever yeah very rarely but we so Michigan. What what part of Michigan are you in? Grand Rapids. So the intersection and Twenty Monroe would probably be the venues you know out here in our city. We actually. Oh yes, I do remember that venue. Um, we actually recorded our new album in Michigan in Midland. Yeah, yeah Josh Schroeder. So we're very excited about it. You know, we've got um, a couple. It's been in in January. It was February, Six, or sorry, February, February and March. Yeah, it was uh, quite cold. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it now. Yeah, but I you, mean, you, you can hear that on our album. Like, we were cold and in the middle of nowhere, and that new, uh, the new album coming out, that reflects so much on the material. Yep. And I think that that's an interesting thing when uh, it was our first time going a way to do an album our very first time every everything else has been done in california and so and you can kind of tell it's more you know clean <laughs> and then this new stuff it's like murder bad weather you know? so, <laughs> so you'll hear that a lot there's on the new album <laughs> there's definitely an edge you know working with josh is was such a really really cool experience because that guy is so creative and there's no there's nothing that he won't try to do. No. Yes. Like if there's an idea, he's like, yeah, let's do that. Like literally any, anything. Yeah. And no rules. There's I no, like that. there's no rules. And it, it was really put us in a really creative mindset. And so we came up with a very angry, edgy, diverse album. <laughs> it is very angry. <laughs> and, and it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. It's interesting because like Josh and I have known each other since Josh was still playing in his bands. And mm-hmm. then I remember when he started getting into the producing side of things and, and mixing and all that. Okay. And to see his journey has been incredible. Like he and I were talking a little bit yesterday uh, when I said I was talking to you guys. And, He's you know, he, I was like, Rogers. he is like he it's so funny because like he showed up during a King 810 show uh, here in GR. And I was like, you look like a fucking valet for a wrestler. Like you're wearing like this. <laughs> Uh, like turtleneck thing and you're just like the way you talk like you look so out of place even though like you're creating and you create the most people. brutal stuff on the planet yeah yeah <laughs> and it's just like how he is is just not how you look how, how you would think he would be and i just well, love really, that he kind of doesn't give a shit about the business side of it if that makes no. sense like everything's kind of it's tongue in cheek. Like, I mean, even when he did the nail the mix thing, it's like all of it was like, yeah, here's like this shit that isn't even real equipment. And I recorded this and I did all this. And it's like, yeah, because that I mean, you know what you're doing and it's technical and you know how to do it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The, the music matters and the art matters and creating and creating something that you're proud of matters. And he gets that that's what's the important thing. And I think that's why people are starting to go to him, because I was surprised that a band at your position wanted to go to him because he's not really known for doing something that's as I'll say comparatively as mainstream as what you guys are and gals are. Um, So I was really interested to see, would you end up having a little bit like rub off on him a little bit or would he end up, you know, kind of where's the the middle ground between the two of 
the band and him from a producer like what what will come out of it and for kind of the first thing to be this this cover i was like definitely wasn't expecting that because that's not really in his wheelhouse necessarily either but to me i'm like this is almost the perfect first thing from this project this this you know recording cycle between the two of you to put out because it's literally not what anyone's expecting and that's that's true josh in my opinion it it kind of depends on what what era of butcher babies you're looking at because we literally have done all the above the heavy heavy the mainstream the you know very melodic ballady and then just beat your face in metal so we're uh we're big fans of king 810 and so when we 810 sorry yeah sorry um and and the thing is is when we started hearing so much dynamic stuff from that band. Yeah. We're friends with those guys. And it's just like, we're like, man, the stuff you're writing is just like, goes from heavy to melodic to beautiful to all these things. And it's all the things that we have explored in the past. So it felt like such a good fit with him because we wanted to try all of those things on one album. Yeah. And we've definitely accomplished that. You know, Josh is so, you know, he can do the brutal, brutal. And then he also, understands and is a fan of the soft melodic stuff too. So being able to put all of that into this album was very exciting for us. You know, we, as we said earlier, we've been a band for nearly 15 years. So, you know, when we started, we were angry kids, (laughs) very angry, had a lot to be angry about. And as, you know, success started coming around and, you know, we started leaving our families and leaving our friends behind and, there was a lot of more on our second album was more like loneliness and emotion and that. And then, you know, the third album was just kind of a culmination of all that. And then all of a sudden we're angry again because our shit was taken away from us for years. We're angry again. We go to Michigan in the middle of the winter and, and I feel like almost like we reverted to our, our first album, like those emotions, you can really hear it on our fourth album because we're kind of going through those same emotions. And, um, it's, that's, what's awesome about, you know, bands putting out albums you hear. It's a snapshot of time. It's a snapshot of what they were going through at the time or what they felt like they wanted to explore. You know, evolution is just so, it's it's necessary as an artist we need to evolve we need to try all these different things and um we don't do it for our fans we do it for us you know of course we love when they when they like it and they want to hear certain things but i need to be able to put my emotions onto an album as well this is my therapy right (laughs) this is my very expensive therapy so (laughs) you know um so so it's it's important for us and i'm so excited for people to be able to hear this because you know it was a lot of this stuff was written right in the studio so you're gonna hear a lot of what we were going through in those six weeks that we wrote and recorded this album it's you know, weird emotions within the band. Cause we had, some of us hadn't seen each other in over a year. Um, weird emotions mm-hmm. about not being able to tour, not being able to go play these songs, weird emotions about everything. And I think that all, you know, all people were, we were all going through 
those type of emotions. And so it's going to be really awesome for people to hear that from us. And I think it's going to be really shocking when people hear the other songs compared to our first single, because (laughs) you're going to have these expectations of like, Oh, it's going to be this kind of album. And then, and get ready for a curveball because um, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think something that's been interesting with working with the (laughs) bands that work with Josh, and I don't know if this is just because Josh works that fast and, kind of dealing with everything as far as like recording, if you're letting him mix master, whatever. But I know like, even like the guys in hearts, like when they had done a track with Clint, um, that was a single and it, it seems like when you work with Josh, it's such a fast paced. And I don't know if it's because of not overthinking because you feel, I don't want to say vulnerable, not being the word I want to use, but because he allows you to be vulnerable and allows you to make, art that's actually coming out of you and and encouraging it the the rawness of it and whatever that it seems like bands are able to get their product out way faster working with josh so instead of recording something from a year and a half ago and you're finally getting out because well now the master's done the vinyl's done it's correlating to this quarter of when we want to put it out with the label or tour announcements or whatever it seems like everything has more of an immediacy with josh's stuff like you look at lorna shore and i don't feel like we're ever so far behind where they are creatively like you're kind of getting to be there right with them and i think that there's something exciting about that because too often you hear about yeah i'm yeah, fuck it. We did this record like a year and a half ago. We're already writing new stuff now. I'm excited about that, but I can't tell you about that until the next year and a half, two years after we're done with this touring cycle. That I feel like it's it's refreshing with bands that work with Josh that it seems like they get their stuff out so much faster to still be excited about the process that they just went through to create everything. Well, yeah, there's there's something to be said about the you know, writing something right then and there, not overthinking it and going with it, taking your ears off for a couple of weeks and then putting it back on and listening to it and being like, Oh fuck, that was that in that moment, that was the right decision. That was cool. Whereas maybe you would overthink it and go back because we're always our worst critics and go back and change it again and change it again and change it again. Um, so that process was really fun. You know, we were actually when they were mixing <laughs> Lorna Shore, we, we popped in for that for one of those days. And I it, it was so cool because Josh will stop at nothing to make sure that you're very happy with your mix. And 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 it's it's definitely a collaborative thing. They were mixing from his car. <laughs> they wired everything <laughs> out to his car because they wanted to see. I wanted to mix it to what it would sound like in a system in the car. I mean, I, I don't know the whole process, but that day that was so cool to see a producer being like, let's, let's mix it from the car. Let's see what, what we can make this pop out in this certain part of this song. And it was a really cool thing to see. Um, you know, one thing about Josh is, and you're, you're right about that, that he does work quick is he's such a creative force. Like he, he's, he's got so many ideas that if you give him an idea or you give him kind of a game plan, he'll take it and run with it. So we had this, you know, he and I were exchanging emails before we started, you know, and I I was telling him what we really like and kind of laying the groundwork for what we were looking for and got him in, you know, kind of the real mindset of what, you know, what we want to achieve. So once we started, because we did a lot of the writing right there in the studio, right? And so we would uh, bring in these ideas 
And he knew exactly where to go with this stuff because of these conversations we had and our influences and, and what we really like. And so it made things move very, very quickly. So we were able to uh, produce and 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 come up with so much content in such a short amount of time. Yeah, uh, it's pretty impressive when you actually hear the album. What we were able to accomplish in about six weeks because it's a mountain of material. Yeah. Out of curiosity, like I feel like at this point, even labels probably know, and it really helps with Lorna Shore doing what they've been able to do in kind of an extreme genre with the success that they've had, and obviously Josh's name being attached to it. Was there any trepidations from the label of being like when you're turning stuff in that they're like, ah, we don't hear the single or we don't, you know, kind of anything like that without getting into too many specifics, maybe necessarily. But I just always think that's interesting when another band that I know you guys know that uh, hangs out with Chad and uh, Shannon uh, were talking about had the same issues. They're like, oh, we had to go back in and track new songs and track new songs. And then the album's out now. And all the songs that they already had are the big singles already. And they're like, oh, you didn't hear the single until you heard the single after the fact. Um, right. So I think it's interesting well, when we, that happens. We actually, um, we left our label in 2018. Same label hmm. that they're on, that Lorna Shore's on. Um, it, it just, it, uh, we did it on purpose. You know, we, we definitely, it, that was something that we dealt with where, um, you know, like, Oh, I don't hear this. I don't hear that until they hear it. Right. <laughs> so, um, and nothing against, you know, that label, but we just figured, you know, we were kind of, uh, that label was going through such a weird transition and we kind of <coughs> did all the marketing and everything ourselves for our third album. And it went to number one and like, they didn't have a publicist, all this kind of stuff. And so, um, it went to number one. We did it pretty much ourselves. And so we were like, well, we can do this independently. And so we have this, this album and all of our singles that we released in 2020 and 2021 have been independent because we want to go in and we want to be like, this is what Butcher Babies is. This is what we feel like we want to be in this day and age right here, right now. And it has worked out really well for us. In fact, one of our singles that we released, Bottom of a Bottle, is the fastest growing song that we've ever released as a band. And I don't know if that would have been great for, you know, if, if that label would have loved that song or thought that it was too out there and too different um, because it is kind of like a pop country song in a way. So for us, it's been like a, a little bit of a relief and very exciting mm -hmm. to do this all on our own and make our own decisions. I don't know if they would have been like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't cover <laughs> a rap song. I don't know. Cause things are so different nowadays and you don't really necessarily need um, a band that's been around for our, as long as we have, it's not hundred percent necessary to have a label backing it at the moment. I don't know if we'll ever sign again, maybe who knows if the, if we can find the right partnership perhaps, but for us, this is very exciting to do on our own. It's been super refreshing. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's just been, you know, with, without having any, you know, people telling you no or, 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 or you know, giving criticism and, <laughs> and then you're like, ah, I don't know if I really agree with that. It's just like, because nobody really knows where trends are going to head. I mean, we yeah. have a good idea and everybody, yeah. you know, it looks like it's kind of headed in this direction, but if everybody knew the answer, we'd all have hits, you know, every band, <laughs> would, be, every band would be crushing. So it's, it's really just kind of guesswork. 
And, it really is. And so we, you know, we, 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 instead we were just like, let's do what we like. Let's do what yeah. we love. Let's do what, what sounds cool to us. And people are going to either accept it or they're not going to accept it. And honestly, that's kind of the way it should be, right? If you're an <laughs> artist, you should be doing what you feel is your art and yeah. getting it out there and just people are going to accept it or not. As long as, you know, you're not doing some crazy avant-garde, you know, stuff that no one wants to listen to, you know, it, it's, it, we're trying to write the best material for the biggest audience possible, you know? So, I think, you know, I think the thing sometimes we forget though, is, I mean, shit, kind of going back to the, the same band on this one, but I mean, you look at a band like refused, when Shape of Punk to Come came out, everyone hated it because it wasn't Fan the Flames of Discontent. Right. And it flopped. It broke up the band. It wasn't yeah. until, you know, all the years that they were not around that this this album became as legendary as it became. Is it in 97? And now, I think it came out in like 97 or 98. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's like everyone time. hated it. And then yeah. it's like when they finally came back, it's like all of a sudden now you're on this victory lap of like, now I get to enjoy the success of this thing that broke us up because you all hated it. It only took <laughs> you 15 years to catch up to what we were doing back then. And but then it's like the weird thing is, is, you know, and even getting to talk to Dennis on this show about it, it's like, are you glad now you got the first record out of the way that follows up Shape of Pump to come? And now you're getting to do the next record because now you got the one out that everyone's like, well, it doesn't sound like Shape of Punk. Well, yeah, it's not going to. It's like 20 years later. I can't yeah. make you feel that same way as you did when you first heard this. But now we got that first record out and it'll probably do the same thing where people find it down the road because they're willing to go beyond of, oh, it didn't sound like this. And I go, it sucks that as creatives, you kind of have to exist in this world where you're doing something and because it's not what everyone knows you from from before, everyone has to play catch up to you and they're at least an album or two behind of what they're now willing to accept. It's really interesting that you say that because I, uh, you know, I've always heard that type of stuff for legacy bands. And also just real quick, because I realize I have four minutes. Do you have someone right behind me that I have to cut you off at or no? I have um, at one thirty. I do. Yes. So in in about 15 minutes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because I have four minutes from when I was supposed to stop, so I want okay, to make yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I've always seen that with legacy bands, and I and you hear the artists talk about, oh, you know, everyone wants us to sound like this era and this part of our band, and it's it is nostalgia on the fans' perspective. It's definitely nostalgia, um, but it's it's weird because we've started feeling that people are like, Oh, you know, I love this era of butcher babies. And it's weird to think about now. It's so weird to think about because there are kids that come to our show. They bring their kids. They're like, I started listening to me when I was in high school. I'm like, Oh my God, I was shaped someone's high school years. Like to me, that's wild because the bands that I loved that shaped my high school years, I don't listen to their current stuff. Mostly I listen to the stuff that brings me back to those years. And, it's I find myself being <laughs> that same person that does that to me. <laughs> so it is it is a weird nostalgia thing that um as fans we go through and I understand it because I feel the exact same thing sometimes like I said um if you know if no doubt were to release an album I'd be super stoked about it but it probably wouldn't make me feel <laughs> the way that it no doubt made me feel in 1997. You know, so it's it's a different. I, I completely understand um, how fans, uh, you know, 
mm-hmm. they, they express those emotions. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I just was telling someone recently with a Valo from him doing a solo record that's coming out next year. Yeah. It's the first thing that has brought like the fandom back out in me in shit, at least since before even doing this. And this has been, I've been doing this for like six years, like having uh, the publicist that's handling it. I got the email. I had literally woken up, saw that she was handling. And I was like, Oh my God. uh, Can we like, that's a bucket list guest. Can you please get him for me? And then it was like a, yeah. And then when I finally started waking up, I go, Oh shit, this record isn't even coming out until like April of next year. All right, never mind. I'll slow down and we'll reconvene like, you know, next year. And she was like, I've never seen you that excited about anything. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, cause I, I'm, I'm really not anymore. Like it takes a lot for me to get excited about something. Cause I, I know so much about behind the scenes stuff that it's like, man, they're just people. It's whatever. But yeah. it was funny that I was like, that took me right back to like high school, you know, when the first couple of records I got into of theirs and the sound and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, like I'm still a fan. I guess it just takes certain things to bring it out of you. And when it happens, you're like, I guess I'm not a fucking corpse inside <laughs> with a lot of these things. I still feel, I still feel, and it's real to me. Damn it. Like, yeah, um, just, you know, just being open-minded, you know, I, I, I find myself that the same because I could be a crusty old metalhead and just like only listen to <laughs> crusty uh, old metalhead. Right. just like, you, got, you, you know, but it's, it's just kind of being open to things. And there's so many talented bands that are coming out right now that yeah. are, and like I was, you know, I was saying earlier about, you know, just the crossover stuff and you're seeing bands try more and more things. And it's, it's kind of a, it's really a cool time to be in music really cool to to see what's happening out there and um you know hopefully we can be a part of that too absolutely one of the uh last questions i have for you which this has just been a fun thing i've been doing for our podcast sponsor and since we were talking about it earlier what is your favorite piece of merch that you have (laughs) okay well there is okay i'll tell you this we have one piece of merch that we introduced in what was it 2013 i guess i should clarify it doesn't have to be your own band's merch oh it could be like your like a shirt maybe you had like oh no okay see that's the thing is like i um that's a tough one (laughs) i don't really have a ton of merch i was never like a a merch collector by any means Mm. Um, I have one, Go but ahead. he has, he has some really cool. Stuff. I have my favorite piece of merch is um, I have Meshuga's destroy race improve album cover shirt. And I get more compliments on that shirt everywhere. I go, I was like, that's a sick album. Yeah. Like, Thanks bro. <laughs> <But> that, <laughs> that, that particular, that particular shirt is probably my favorite. We, we have a, sorry, get you in there. We have a broadcast room in our house and it's, we have all these different posters up and there's a poster that's signed by Mashuga. That's really, really cool. I really love that one. It's his, but I adopted it. Um, (laughs) as per usual, that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that, um, for me, I don't really have much merch from other bands besides t-shirts. And I, I love those shirts. I'll never get rid of a band shirt to me. It's, it, it signifies all like the craziness that band went through to even produce that piece of merch. So, you know, the travels, the money, the everything that goes behind it, I'll never ever get rid of a band shirt. We're kind of obsessed with the band. I don't know if you're familiar with buried alive. Their merch, yes. their, their, their merch is 
off the charts. Like that's so. That's next why level. in the bootleg game, like yeah, friend of mine was one of Josta's like good friends that I've had on the show. He's big into that stuff, and he was like, "Dude, Buried Alive and Sepultura have the most bootlegged merch from that scene because like it was just in such limited quantities, and like everyone wants it." Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Buried Alive has some of the best merch. I, I, it's, I, it's I shockingly do, awesome. I do find myself browsing their site quite often, <laughs> yeah. and I really love their music too. So yeah. it's just brutal. I'm gonna give away, gonna give away this idea I had a while ago of doing rap hardcore shirts. So like the traditional rap or like hardcore shirt of like insert group, like live shot, like a sick live shot with a lyric. Right. Yeah. Do the same thing, and like a part of it started with the idea of the Carter's record, the uh, Jay Z Beyonce record. Yeah do a live shot with them. And then the like fun is just, have you ever seen a crowd going ape shit? And I was like, like <laughs> I think that'd be hard as fuck. Like to do something like that. And just we, again, we cross over released, the ideas. We actually released a, um, a, a whole series of bootleg merch around best friend. So we have like though that's the, the rap style style. That you're talking yeah. about. That's what we released with the single best friend. So we have those and it's so fun. It was, I made them, I designed them and it was so fun to design some bootleg merch. I was just like, this is sick. <laughs> so you have like, it's like the cheesy rap shirts where it's like the logo, the blinged out logo and no, you got the circle. Nothing like, matches. Yeah. Nothing matches. All low res images yep. just slapped on one. Another. Yeah. It was, uh, it's, yeah. so that's, that's, that's something we actually, and you know what? And like, 10, 15 years, someone will probably sell those for like $2,000 each. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're fun. Yeah. So I, but I'm not more power to you, man. Make that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly, where can everyone find you or anything you'd like to plug online? Well, um, best friend has been out now for a month and it's, I mean, the music video is super fun. Uh, check it out. Uh, we filmed it at a place called the bear den. It's a strip club in New Jersey while we were on tour. And um, we had a, bunch of butcher babies fan like our fan base they showed up so there's a bunch of uh butcher babies fans in the video throwing money we had some amazing um dancers that came out and showed their talents for it so check out best friend um uh butcher babies at anything you'll find us so um yeah just uh be We've got a lot We're of new music the, coming out. We're so. all over the interwebs. Yeah, it's just <laughs> pretty uh, easy to find. <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time. And maybe when the uh, album is closer to coming out, maybe have you come back on and shoot the shit again and see where, where that yeah, conversation leads. Awesome. Yeah, into it. Thank you Great so much. Great talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you as well. Enjoy the rest of your day. So that was my conversation with Heidi and Henry, again, of the Butcher Babies. Uh, their latest single, Best Friends, uh, is out now. Uh, the rest of the album will be out soonish, hopefully. Very much looking forward to hearing it. Uh, definitely got to get Josh back on the podcast. Uh, Schroeder and I were were voice messaging each other the, uh, shortly after the Butcher Babies uh, chat, so a few months, probably about a month ago at this point, and we're just kind of talking about life things and doing a lot of different stuff. And uh, we both kept saying to each other, like, "Ah, oh, we just need to do another podcast and just kind of do this thing." Um, Josh is one of those people, you know, as I was saying in the intro uh, about people who inspire me, Josh is someone who inspires me to do things outside the, the, the box of this is how things can be done or how they should be done. Think outside the box, try to make your own way, be happy with what you're doing. And Josh is kind of the living embodiment of it. And the fact that he's able to have, has carved out a, a successful career for himself, being able to be that safe space for other bands to, 
creatively step out of their own comfort zones and, and create something that means so much to them. You literally hear it on every record that the Heat does, and those people who do something, there's something magical about that record, and I'm very excited to hear this new Butcher Babies record because I remember telling Josh when he announced he was working with them that I was like, that seems like a departure for you. Like, I don't know what that's going to sound like because it's, it's not what I expect you to do. But then again, I never expect you to do anything you do. So actually, it's right on par with your brand of doing things out of the norm. And I'm really going to try to step out of the norm myself with this. Like I said, I'm going to try to be more honest and open in these intro and outros and not necessarily make them about the conversation that you just heard, but kind of about what I'm going through and maybe how it can correlate to whatever you're going through. Um, I kind of touched on it in the intro. Basically, like when I listen to podcasts, I think that's the thing I love about the medium is sometimes you hear other people have the same thoughts and ideas as you and you go, holy shit, I'm not alone. And that's that's such a powerful thing. Um, it's so powerful. Uh, giving people hope and not making people feel alone is, is so powerful. And I just want to be an extension of that uh, moving forward. So very excited where 2023 is going. Like I said, I have a lot of things that I am I'm working on. I'm actually doing something that I haven't done in a very long time. When I started the show, I started writing goals for myself. I wrote a, a one-year plan, a two-year plan. By year three, I want to do this. By year four, I want to do this. By year five, I want to have like these people on. I want to do these things. And honestly, I smashed most of those goals like by the end of the first year. And I kind of just didn't make another a goal list. I didn't have a plan in, in mind. And honestly, something my wife said, uh, the other day really made me kind of put this all into perspective. You know, she had made a comment about feeling a little bit of seasonal depression, kind of, you know, we got dumped on with about like two feet of snow. It just was constantly snowing. We couldn't go anywhere. Everything was closed. It was the holidays. And it just became this thing of, you know, leading into the new year, you know, we had a, I was at work, she was texting me and she goes, I think I kind of addressed why I've been so depressed. And it was because I, I didn't set any goals for myself. I didn't set anything up that I could look forward to. Uh, for her and I, and I'll speak more for her, it's traveling and seeing the world and having new experiences. And I very much appreciate those things as well. And it was one of those things where I, I kind of thought about that, that sometimes if we don't have goals and we don't present ourselves with something we're working toward, then we just kind of aimlessly wander. And I feel like that's it's kind of dangerous because if you have no word, if you don't know where you're going, you have no way to look back and go, like for tracking, you have no way to figure out like, are you progressing? Are you regressing? How can you better yourself? And honestly, it was kind of this, this big epiphany of just being like, shit, I haven't done that with the podcast in a while. Could that be one of the factors of why maybe the show has been on a decline? Because I haven't really tried steering it anywhere. I haven't made goals for myself. So I'm literally, as I'm talking right now, I'm literally looking at the giant list of things that I need to do, want to do, and my goals for this year for the show. And I, I'm honestly, I, I would, like I said in the intro, you know, thinking about the person who started the show versus who I am now, I'm kind of going back to sort of the DIY vibe of when I started the show of just like, I'm going to make shit happen for myself. Like I'm not waiting for permission anymore. I'm not waiting for people to give me something. I'm going to fucking take it. And I'm going to try to take that same vigor, that same energy. And I know it, it's the whole new new year, new me bullshit that everyone fucking says. But I got to tell you, man, the last month of not doing this and realizing that, that that part of me is missing and I really want it back. In addition to there's a the new Villa Vallo record just came in my inbox today. And I have been so excited to hear this record since the news of it dropping came late last year. And it reminded me that, like, I'm still a fan of music, that I'm still really 
invested in music and I still love being a fan of these things. And for a while, that fandom and that that love kind of was gone. I've talked about it on here a bunch where, you know, listening to advances of records to talk to some of the people I've talked to became a job. And I really didn't enjoy it anymore. I, I got tired of listening to new music. I got tired of listening to music as a whole. And in the last month or so, I've been listening to a lot of music, been listening to a lot of new music, and been really excited about being a fan of music again. Um, buying records, buying things, you know, concert tickets, you know, before show, like when the shows are announced. Uh, wife and I are looking to go back to Vegas and we're like, oh, we should go see Usher. Usher tickets are really fucking expensive. Uh, but then it was like, hey, Katy Perry's playing. I was like, you know what? I bet that'll be a fucking blast. It may not seem like it initially. I was like, I, I don't know. And then I like a couple songs came on at work the other day and I was like, you know what? I bet a Katy Perry show would be a fucking spectacle and it would be just so much fun and it would be a fun experience to just have fun at a concert and be entertained. And, you know, I have the Botch reunion coming up in about about a month now, uh, going out to Seattle, going to a venue I've never been to, going to see some friends, meeting new friends and just kind of creating new experiences around music has me really excited. And it's one of those things where I just have lost that passion. I had lost that passion. And I'm giving myself the permission to be excited about things again. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm almost 40, man. Like, I am over giving a fuck about how people feel about things. I'm going to have some people on this show that I'm sure people are like, why? This person doesn't belong on the show. Says who? Says who? I don't care. This is a new, like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace the, the, the cliche-ness of this all. It's a new year. It's a new me. I'm ready for this year. I'm excited for who's going to be on the show. I hope I can get half of the fucking people I have on here. Cause I am going to be a nuisance <laughs> bothering some of these people to come on the show. Um, I'm very excited to where this show is going. And I hope, I hope you have something that you were looking forward to early on this year that when you get to the end of this year or we get to the a year from now, you can look back and go, damn, 2023 was fucking awesome. I did X, Y, and Z. I hope that for you. I want that for you. So to wrap up this long ass winded outro, uh, if you would like to keep up with the Butcher Babies, you can find them on Facebook at Butcher Babies, Instagram at Butcher Babies, Twitter at Butcher Babies, or just go to ButcherBabies.com for all of your Butcher Baby-related information that you need. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with Heidi, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Heidi the Butcher, and Henry can be found at Henry Flurry at Instagram and Twitter as well. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast, simple enough, Bruce Speak Pod, everywhere. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with me, I'm somewhere on there personally. Uh, on the socials. You can figure that out if you would like to. If not, whatever. That's fine. Uh, if you want to email me, you can email me at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. If you have suggestions for people you would like to uh, see on the show, send them my way. Uh, or if you're on Twitter or whatever, tag them in a post. Um, it's funny. I'll reveal more about this later. Uh, but someone had tagged somebody. They came on the show. And now some stuff is happening behind the scenes and more will be revealed on that. But uh, things happen. You know, and I love guest suggestions. I'll, I'll pretty much talk to anybody. So let's keep up the engagement. Let's uh, let's let's get to know one each other better, and let's uh, let's help each other have a good 2023. That's that's what I'm about. Positive vibes this year, man. 2023. Let's make it the best we can. So for the brutally speaking podcast, I am John, and I'll talk to you all next time. Have a great week.